How's it going, Real Dealers? It's your man, Phil Paul. And before we begin today's podcast, I want to give a huge shout out to our peeps over at Minstrance. Minstrance is a new clothing line on the market that specializes in the best workout attire for your next quarantine workout or gym workout wherever you are. Make sure to go follow them on Instagram at Minstrance and also check out their line on Minstrance.com. Make sure to use our code, The Real Deal For You, to get 25% off on your next purchase. Stay fit, stay strong, and always keep it real. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. How's it going, Real Dealers? It is your man, Philip Hall. Welcome to another edition of the Real Deal Bros podcast. And today I have a very awesome guest with me. I played college baseball over at Gonzaga University. He was drafted in the eighth round by the Cleveland Indians back in 2017. He's been a double-A All-Star, uh, minor league baseball.com organization All-Star 2018 and 2019. And he's currently a triple-A pitcher right now in the Cleveland Indians organization. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome minor league pitcher Eli Morgan to the Real Deal Bros podcast. Thanks for having me on, Philip. Yeah, it's been, uh, been quite some time since I last met you. I actually met you in that uh, 2017 year that I got drafted. So yeah, man. Good thanks for having me. Yeah. And yeah, really, yeah. You know, like, I kind of like, I kind of knew like when, when I first met Eli and when I kind of did some research on him after I met him, like, I kind of knew like, yeah, this guy's going to have a shot in pro baseball because yeah, you go look at this guy's stats. I mean, I think back in 2017, I think the year that you were drafted, I think, yeah, you were up there probably like around the top five in the nation in strikeouts. I think. Yep. I, I ended the, uh, ended the regular season third. Mm, um, third. We didn't yeah. make postseason play. So might've slipped after that, but I, I do remember that. Yeah. That year. Mm-hmm. yeah also yeah Eli he's a California guy too he's from Rancho Palos Verdes uh mm-hmm. if I'm correct yeah all the way down in Southern California so yep. uh yeah yeah, you know, yeah always always close about... in Redondo Beach right now oh, okay awesome yeah so yeah I always like to hear about California guys making it to the pros you know definitely you know shows the talent that comes out of the Golden State so yeah yeah, you know, uh, yeah it's been pretty cool so uh yeah Eli um just you know let everybody know about you, like how you've been up to, and you could get, also give people a little bit of background on, you know, how you came, like play baseball and how you're able to play professionally. Yeah, certainly. So, uh, you know, started baseball, just like most players, uh, started T-ball, you know, did the whole working up through little league, played club ball, played high school ball. Um, and then, you know, the real baseball started in college, went to Gonzaga, was recruited there. Um, they're one of the only schools that offered me out of high school. Definitely wasn't very highly recruited. Uh, certainly wasn't thinking about pro ball at all. In high school, I was, you know, fairly focused on studies. I, I still wanted to play at the college level, but my ambitions were kind of like, like just set at college, you know. Um, I remember having um, an English class, like freshman year, I had to write a paper, you know, where do you see yourself? 10 years. And I remember saying, it was like, you know, I'd love to be a baseball player, but I just don't know if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wrote that off and, you know, I th- who knows what I put in the rest of the essay. It's not the uh, important thing, but I do specifically remember kind of writing off um, pro ball at that point. And it wasn't until uh, after my freshman year in college, went up to Alaska baseball league and played a season of summer ball there. Uh, and then after talking to my first pro scout, I was like, man, you know, this could, this could happen, you know, if I continue to put in work. And I remember that summer kind of visualizing what my plan going forward would look like. I remember, you know, knowing that I was going to have to put up a good year, sophomore year, I was going to have to maintain a starting role that whole time was, you know, hopefully going to go to the Cape Cod league was the, you know, like the best college league to go to. So it was a big deal as a sophomore to be able to go there. Um, and then, you know, I got, got drafted after a really good junior year to the Indians. have played two and a half seasons with them and um, am currently just on hold like the rest of minor league baseball as to what goes next. Well, that's yeah. kind of a little background on how I got here. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, yeah, it's definitely, you know, like every player always has that journey growing up, you know, starting when you first pick up baseball, either playing in the front yard, playing catch with your dad. And like next thing you know, parents sign you up for little league, and then playing play all little league, and you get to high school. Then uh, that's when it starts to get real serious when you go into college, and then you know it's like the big time when you go pro, get that first contract once you're drafted. 
Yeah, it's definitely, you know, like that's why, you know, as a, as a guy that's played baseball growing up as well, you, you definitely have to understand like the grind that most players who have to go through just to get where they are now. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, there's like over a million kids around the country, like actually a million kids around the world that wish, you know, and that uh, uh, grind to make sure that they do play at the pro level. And, you know, just yeah, you being be, like being in that fraction of uh, the players that could style themselves as a professional baseball player, it yeah, definitely shows that hard work and determination that you've always had. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that, uh, that summary definitely doesn't show the work that I had to put in to get there, um, you know, in high school and college. Um, it was definitely a long, you know, just a lot of steps to get through. But, um, you know, just as you, as you continue to improve each year, I feel like what I did was just kind of starting to gain confidence, seeing what, you know, went well this year, what I can do next year. Um, and then just kind of gaining that confidence I, I was able to envision you know at one point being in minor league baseball but yeah that definitely happened later than than I had anticipated after thinking about that mm. yeah so um yeah yeah you kind of you kind of broke down like how you were able to you know just grow up and uh and able to like play in college and be able to play in the pros and kind of make it to where you are now so um I guess to give a little bit more insight, how have you been able to like develop your skills over the years, like from high school to college to, to the pros? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole, that's it. And like, that's what I do as a professional athlete is, you know, I have to get better each and every year. Um, how that happens has changed. You know, I know that how I worked out in high school is certainly different than how I work out now, but the same, the same intention was always, I have to outwork the person next to me you know, just in, in whichever way that may be, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's a ton of ways to work out. I mean, I remember in high school, I would, you know, I'd just go into a public gym, would try to get under a squat rack a bunch, would try to eat a ton, put on weight, um, you know, with the goal being increasing velocity. Um, it's just the easiest way to get seen by a college is to throw harder. And it was something I just never did in high school. You know, even at the end, I was maybe throwing 88 at the max. Um, and then in college, you know, have a real strength coach, learn a real strength program and not that my high school one wasn't good. You know, our, our coaches worked really hard in high school. It's just, it's less extensive, you know, by nature. Um, then when I got to college started to, you know, work out every day with the team, you know, it, it's a really demanding schedule that you develop in college, but you're also granted like a good bit of free time that, you know, you can choose how you how you go about your day with that free time. You can party, you can study, you can work out. I mean, you know, it's not saying that partying is bad, not saying studying, you know, all that stuff. It, it all has its place somewhere. But the thing for me, and it definitely flipped the script that sophomore year, um, was the priorities of the things I was doing and working out to become a better baseball player become, became that number one priority after the sophomore year. Um, specific training things that I do, like I, I'm still learning, you know, it's like, if I had to say, what if, what, it, like, what am I going to do in the future to get better? I genuinely don't know. Like, I hope that I continue to get guided in the right direction, but I'm learning stuff every day about you know, how to properly work out, how to, how to maintain your body, how to increase velocity, how to, you know, properly recover from an outing. Um, it, it's a never ending kind of list or journal that I just have to keep adding to of stuff that I pick up along the way. Um, you know, a quote that I like is you, you learn from everything and you add what you want to add and throw out what you want to throw out. You don't have to stick to one plan, but you should definitely at the very minimum, like absorb a plan that you're given to and see how it could help the one you've got now um, and what you could change to improve going forward. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Just knowing that you're a Marley guy and just kind of, getting that backstory of how, you know, going to the gym, I mean, by different levels, like high school gym is far different from a gym. Like I'm pretty sure the gym at your high school is far different than the gym that you had at Zaga. Mm -hmm. And even like going into the minor leagues, cause I know like most minor league teams, it's kind of like the bottom barrel for pro baseball, but still right. has like the best competition all around. So what is it, how has it been like, or how has the minor league experience been, been for you? So, so for the past three years? It's uh, it's certainly eye-opening. I mean, there's, you know, a ton of things you hear. You know, you can 
you know, you can watch a minor league game, kind of see what happens. I, I remember going to minor league games as a kid, and, you know, they were a ton of fun. It's a lot more engaging than a, a major league crowd, just um, by nature of the stadium being smaller. But actually being in there and, you know, playing, going through it, it, it feels just kind of natural at this point. Um, learned a ton. The, uh, the season is longer than any season I've ever had. The travel is – you know, maybe not distance-wise as tough as college, but we, we don't fly, so we, we have to bus everywhere. Um, and th- those bus times can range from an hour to 14 hours. You know, it just depends where you got to go on a specific day. Um, but we get put up in nice hotels. You know, there, there's exceptions. There's some towns that just can't, you know, can't maintain a nice hotel just by nature, you know. Uh, um, like Holiday Inns, Best Westerns? Like, no, I, there are, you know, <laughs> I've never had a bad issue with Holiday Inn, but there are some no-name places we've stayed that have okay. been a little, little run down, but nothing, nothing terrible. You know, you you hear the horror stories; they happen occasionally. But we, especially with the Indians, we get treated pretty well, um, yeah. and I've, I've loved every bit of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just uh, just a guy that's you know playing minor league baseball because like like up and down Ohio. And I, I could kind of see how that's like and, you know, Ohio kind of being like that country type rural mixing with mid, mid city type state. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. And like, yeah. And just like, just kind of talk a little bit about that more, you know, because I like, when I ever like, like I follow your stats and like, you no, know, I follow to see like, Oh, like how, how's Eli doing on occasion? You no, know, I'm seeing that you're playing like in Lake County, like you're, you're moved up to double A Akron. And then, you know, one point you're getting, you know, the triple A Columbus. So, like, how how is that transition like for a player? Like, say, like you're playing in high A for one day, then the next day you get a call saying, "Hey, we need you up." Like, you're getting called up to double A, and then triple A. Like, how how does that transition work? Like, what's the what's like the day to day process for that? I got you. Um, I I think for that I'll go through like kind of the timeline. Maybe say, you know, what changed at each level. Um, so I get get drafted 2017, and we go to or I go to. Uh, Mahoning Valley, which is our short season A program. Um, and in that league, we play, I it was 70 games. Um, the, it's called the New York Penn League. So we're all around New York, Pennsylvania, uh, parts of Ohio. A league was a lot of college guys and second or third year high school or international signs. So, you know, 18 through 22, you, you really don't see a ton of older guys in that league, you know, there will be the 25 year olds, but coming out of college, it felt like I just went back into a college season. You know, I was facing a lot of familiar faces. Um, and then the unfamiliar faces were still my age. So it wasn't, it wasn't a jarring kind of first year in short season ball. I, I did really well that year. That, that definitely helps with the confidence, but um, seeing just playing against familiar faces was, you know, made that experience a little easier. And then the next year, 2018, I start off in A-Ball at Lake County. I was there for, you know, a month and a half and then get promoted to high A, which was all the way down in Lynchburg, Virginia. So I, you know, just get the word, have to pack up everything I got mid-season and, you know, put it in my car, drive nine and a half hours to a new state, a new culture, um, you know, being out east, I haven't been out there a whole lot. I'm um, the, the the kind of the the religious aspect of Lynchburg was something I haven't seen. You know, just being out in California, very progressive. You know, you don't see the church involved with you know town stuff all that often. Whereas Lynchburg is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of churchgoers and all, all of them very you know warm and inviting. I love my time there, but it, it was definitely an opening experience being in a town like that. Um, and then I end that year in Lynchburg, had a, you know, had a good first full season. You know, you, you had named a couple of the accolades from that year. Next season, I get sent back to Lynchburg, start 2019 back there. And that kind of, you know, put a chip on my shoulder. I thought that, you know, I had done enough to go up to double A, but that's the nature of nature of the game. You know, there were a ton of guys that were ahead of me at that point. Um, and I had to, you know, go back there, prove, on a new year that I could have success at that level. And I did, you know, I started out strong and then got the call up to double a last year. Um, and then spent most of the year there. Um, that was the largest jump was from high A to double a, you know, driving back up to Ohio wasn't that bad, but, uh, 
you know, you get there and all of a sudden you're facing ex big league guys, you know, guys that you've watched, like people I've watched on TV for many of years are standing in the box next to me. Um, and then that's, that, that was a little bit jarring. Um, I, I started out pretty hot out of the gate, put up good numbers and that really eased the transition that I was pitching well, but then, you know, it didn't go unnoticed. I started to, you know, know a lot of the names that I'm pitching against and, um, you know, you, you see whether you're good enough at that point. Um, you know, and it, having a good year doesn't mean you're good enough. You know, I had a good year. That doesn't mean I'm a big leaguer, but it, it means that I do have good enough stuff to get out big leaguers. And that kind of, th that experience, that confidence building from that is kind of how I've shaped the off season. I need to know like what I need to do to get out a lineup of nine big leaguers, not, a double A lineup of, you know, maybe three big leaguers and six minor league guys. You know, if I want to take that next step, I have to be able to get out nine big leaguers three times through the order. You know, that's, that's what you have to do as a starting pitcher. Um, so, so I think that was the, the biggest eye opener was the high A to double A jump. And then triple A, uh, it was just one start last year, moved up there, filled in first start and then got sent back down. Um, was hoping to start this year maybe back up there but not sure yet um especially after this incident you know the, mm -hmm. the pandemic we really don't know kind of how it'll even look next year you know what 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 a level might even be so no way to tell going forward but that's kind of been the timeline um to this point you know you just the, the the best way i've heard it put is you start facing the number one through six guys in the lineup one through nine you know meaning if if you're in low A, one through six are the best hitters, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, maybe the lower end. The next, at the next level, every hitter one through nine is a one through six guy. And then it just keeps shrinking, you know, like from low A to high A, it might be, you know, the five best guys are now in a lineup of nine, you know, you just, you just, in, you keep increasing the amount of like very scary at bats. And that's what the big league level is going to be is a, ton of guys you know every single guy up there can have a scary at bat and you know if I want to get to that level I have to be able to you know throw 100 pitches in a game with 100 of them being big league pitches and you know that's what I continue to work on yeah and you know just knowing that you played for the Cleveland Indians and you now I say like the Indians like they have like to me like in my perspective I've kind of always seen the Indians have like having like a very diverse farm system I mean like they grow star players like Francisco Lindor, Mike Clevenger, like Jan Gomes, like a lot, a lot of the big, lot of some of the big name players in, in baseball right now. Like, is there, with the players that you've played so far in the minors, like, have there been any players that you develop any, like, strong relationships with, or I've just gotten to know on, like, a friend, friend on friend, or like a brotherhood type relationship? Like, you think you could emphasize a little bit more on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I could name off, you know, all the people that I've played with. Um, I, I think you're kind of asking more about, like, what a minor league, like, kind of how their relationships feel at the minor league level. Yeah, maybe? something like that. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's slightly complicated. You do get very close with some guys, but everyone knows that you're also, like, playing against them. So as close as you can get with the guy, and as much as you really want to watch him succeed on the field, you, you know, like, you know, that's my competition right there. So it, it, it can at times be slightly weird, but most, I mean, most of the guys are, you know, we, we, we just try to push past what we have to do on the field and just hang out. You know, I mean, we're, we're together all the time on the road, you know, we'll, we'll take an eight hour bus ride together and then you go to the hotel, you room with one of them and then, um, you know, you, you eat together. I mean, you, you are, you're with your teammates 24 seven. So you, you just, you know, it's just kind of a normal, you know, it just feels normal life almost. You know, you have your friends, you have people that you're close with, you have people that maybe you don't talk to that much, but you're perfectly fine with, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know that. I don't know if I answered that correctly. Yeah. Well, like, what about the, um, what about like the international guys we play with? Cause I know um, Indians, they have a very, strong like scouting system for guys that they signed from Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic and, you know, other parts of the Caribbean, like, you know, with them, you know, being first timers coming over to the States and probably not knowing the language or the culture that much, you know, like how have you been able to 
help them or like what 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 are things that you have done to connect with those players coming from you know like overseas or you know across just yeah. across the water yeah so that, that was another eye-opening thing you know right when I walked into that clubhouse first day as a minor leaguer you know it's half uh, half Latino guys at the at the minimum you know mm-hmm. in the lower levels and you just I just got to learn a new culture like it's so cool just to see how these dudes live compared to you know Americans that I grew up with uh you see similarities you see kind of you know where they might have picked up some stuff that you know we we do in America um and then you pick up their stuff too you know they're 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 a lot more kind of vocal and like energetic in the clubhouse that's something I wasn't used to you know um it's fun in there but uh, kind of coming out of college where you kind of have to fake a seriousness almost of you know we're, we're here to win this channel you know not, like not a, everything not, that not like about, about <laughs> winning the championship you know like some games are just games and yeah but a lot of fun playing them you, you try your best but it's not um you know it's not i'm never going to sleep again if i can't win this game you know is it more like kind of like a kid-like you know, because like you know, baseball has always been like a kid's game. So like, is it kind of like a kid, kid-like attitude, or you know, like, probably, like probably, probably for you coming out of college, you know, like no, no, like college players, they kind of come out, you know, like so, like you know, you're still kind of a kid, you know, like guys saying you're in drafted junior, senior year, you just fresh out, and even like these high school guys coming up, you know, like they're a little bit, they're far, like they're a lot more probably unmatured than most college players. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, they still have that kid type attitude. But was it like that for most of the international players? Like, because I think, like, probably, like, probably you probably played for most of the guys that were coming overseas. They're probably like 18, 19, 20 years old. Did it feel different, or did they behave different in the same way that like a twenty, like a twenty-one year old guy coming out of college would? Or how, like, what was the level? Of yeah, like? yeah. I, I feel like. Um you know, their, their personalities are huge and in a good way, it can be infectious. Um, I, I felt like the college guys might've been a little quieter, just, you know, the, the actual structure of a team in college is just more laid out that way, you know, less, less personality, more team. Uh, whereas these international guys, you know, just have really big personalities and um, you, you start to get used to them and, it's fun to see, you know, they, a lot of them can just keep such a high um, level of energy every day throughout a season. And, uh, you know, it's infectious. Some of those guys that can do that. Um, their culture also like with baseball allows a lot more personality on the field, you know, mm. um, you know, MLB has the whole discussion on bat flips and personality right. And swag. Right. Um, they're bringing it over, you know, the international guys are bringing over the swag and, you know, we're going to have to adapt as Americans. And it's cool to see their, you know, their personalities start to show in major league more, you know, some of that stuff's starting to get accepted and not just like, Oh yeah, he's showing up the picture. You know, it's like, no, that man's having fun. He's just, you know, just playing a game. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, as a guy that watch watches baseball, you know, I, I do, love to see you know those guys show off their personality with the bat flips you know like you know, cool slides and like you no know, it's popping the chain or whatever you know it's uh it, it i feel like for baseball to be in that be back in that uh, perspective of a mainstream sport you know you do need those guys to have that type of attitude i mean just you know it, it's okay to be a little bit flashy but it is same, yeah it, you know at the same time you know yeah, like, there are players you know they still got play play the game the right way you know, without trying to, you know, step on anybody's toes. And, yeah. you know, and I feel like, yeah, like the, I, when I do see the international guys doing that, yeah, I feel like they are kind of like trailblazing in a certain way where they, they can show off their personalities. And, yeah, for, you know, the American players, you know, like, even though, yeah, there, there are American players that have always had that attitude. I feel like, you know, just all that's been going around baseball and like the discussion of, like you mentioned, the discussion of bat flips and like, oh, oh yeah, that's disrespectful to the pitchers and, you know, I don't know, like, as a pitcher, how do you feel, like, 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 just let's be honest, man, like, have you been bat flipped on before by anybody, or, like, was... I'm sure I have, I, I, <laughs> I know I've been shown up before, um, it's just, you know, it, it's just not as big of a deal, I, I've never, I, I've felt disrespect on a baseball field before, and I've taken that out, you know, just, 
I, I don't know that taking it out means like, you know, just yelling back. I've done that before. You know, I've gotten chippy with guys on the baseball field. Everyone has, you know, it's, mm. it's a unique environment, you know, being with your team and, and some games where it's a win or lose, you know, where it's actually in a very important game, you know, adrenaline goes high. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I would want to shut down, you know, maybe a bat flip, but that's only if it happened in like an important game, you know, just mm. like, you know, where, where the, the, the excitement of the game itself would set me off, not the actual bat flip. Um, I don't know that I've ever just even noticed one, you know, in, like in minor league ball. I've given up plenty of home runs. I've probably, you know, <laughs> you know that it happens, you know, I give up home runs. I, I know for sure I've been back fl bat flipped in a couple of them, but I haven't noticed it and it wouldn't offend me if it did. Yeah, yeah I, I, don't know, I guess, you know, some players, you know, they, they, they do have like that certain level of, you know, kind of like discipline or just self-esteem where, you know, like, oh, if, if somebody bat flips on me, you know, I feel disrespected. But, you know, it, it's part of the game. Like, you know, a, a batter's job is to hit home runs, like same way where a pitcher's job is to get the batter out or, you know, strike him out in some yeah. way. You know, I just – because I, I think, like, you know, back in the day, maybe like 50s, 60s, you know, there, there probably weren't that many flashy guys coming up. But at the same time, you know, there were players that were kind of like, you know, tough-headed, you know, just real tough about it and, you know, kind of macho. And, you know, they feel like, oh, if, if I get disrespected by, by a batter, you know, I'm, I'm going to be retaliated or I'm going to retaliate in some way. But um, I don't know, I guess it's, it's kind of different now with just, you know, just, just the principle behind, you know, like, oh, if, if, this, if this guy does this, then he's going get to lab get labeled in some way. And, um, right. You know, it, like, it, it's different. And, you know, with just this new era of baseball, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of, certain things that maybe the old fashioned fans might not want to see, but the mainstream kids, like not the millennial fans, they, they probably want to see more of that stuff. They want to see backflips. They want to see, you know, like guys playing with more excitement, playing with more flair. And, you, you yeah. know, again, you know, I feel like that's, that, that, that's kind of, that, that, that has to be involved, like the involvement of the game, like as a whole. Yeah. There, there exists probably a perfect, you know, baseball game where there's the perfect amount of swag, the perfect amount of, you know, being stoic and professional. Um, but neither side's right. You know, it shouldn't be 27 bat flips in a game and it shouldn't be zero. It should be somewhere in between, you know, just let your own personality come out. You know, that, that's the other thing you see being on a, you know, a, a locker room with 30 plus guys is, you know, everyone has their own personality. Sometimes they're different. They could clash, but for the most time, I mean, for the most part, everyone just gets along. We have fun playing baseball, and you know, it's, life's good. Yeah, I mean, living out a kid's dream. You know, it's yep, exactly. every, every player's dream playing pro baseball. Yeah. You know, like making money while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but um, I kind of want to go more deep into because you know, well, obviously with the whole situation that's happening around the world with COVID nineteen, I kind of want to go more deep into how like how has a minor league ba minor league baseball been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic just by just from your perspective what changes have minor league baseball or you know like in relation to with what major league baseball has been doing as far as trying to get players back on the field or trying to find some way to compensate for games as well as for pay mm -hmm. um you know the I'd say the extent of it's still unknown you know we don't we still don't know everything about the virus we still don't know what next year might even look like just as a society, let alone as a baseball game. Um, only baseball is just decimated, you know, regardless of how it comes back, it's going to come back in a lesser form. Um, you know, just today, a ton of guys getting released, you know, a lot of those are standard releases that just happen year by year, you know, unrelated to the, the virus, but, you know, certainly a higher number um, mm -hmm. will get released because of that. And then, you know, there's talk about cutting up to 40 minor league programs. Um, if they do that, then we're looking at the short season that I played in 2017, that league being gone, any sort of rookie short season ball. Um, and for those that don't know how that short season rookie ball goes, the minor league season starts, you know, sometime April 1st. You know, let's just say it's a normal season. It'll start that first, first couple weeks of April goes till September, you know, playoffs, come back home, spring training next year, rinse, repeat. But the short seasons, you stay there after spring training, 
um, train a little bit. You know, it's usually for first or second year high school players, um, international guys, just anyone that's younger will be in the in the rookie leagues. Um, and then the guys that just get drafted from college go straight to either a rookie league. Some guys go up to A ball, but most of the time they get sent to one of the few rookie leagues. They're talking about getting rid of that. Um, those games, a lot of times, don't get a ton of fans. A lot of them are just held at the spring training facilities. Mm. Um, so there, there's been talks about getting rid of those, but it's nothing official, luckily. Um, but it certainly doesn't look good. I mean, you know, Major League Baseball itself isn't coming back for, you know, if they decide today, it's got to be a month at the minimum. They're, like, the, I don't even think they're discussing minor leagues they're just first and foremost talking about major leagues which they should you know it's way more important than minor leagues i get that that priority. Um, but we, we we certainly don't have any like set outlook on the minor league uh timeline other than that it doesn't look very good it certainly won't look like what it did last year hmm. so it, it almost sounds like it's not so much the virus that's causing them it's more of what the virus has done to the economy like it's, it's more yeah. of just like economical liabilities that are coming into place as far as cutting these minor league teams and, you know, just not having a set plan for when they return. Right. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same as, you know, a lot of small businesses, um, you know, it's just hard to survive without income, you know, and then these teams get income for the six years or the six, the six months that we're in season. And, you know, we've already lost half of that. We're certainly going to lose the other half if there's no plan. I mean, yeah, it's not officially canceled, but it sure seems like there's no minor league season this year. Um, mm -hmm. That's going to be tough for some teams. You know, a lot of them are independently owned. Some are owned by major league teams or, you know, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I know that some are independently owned and, you know, it's going to be tougher on some than others as to if they can come back next year and, you know, go back to business as usual or what it might look like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know for, um, Really, really, just the the foundation of minor league baseball. Um, you know, like I not only do I haven't played baseball, I'm like very baseball historian. You now, for for those that don't know, but um, yeah, yeah, like well, you know, just going to school for sport management and kind of learning more about the basis of how sports began and just when, like even for minor league teams, I was able to, you know, in one of my classes, like I, there was a lecture I had on, you know, just the foundation of sports, like you know, like the Olympics or you know, like horse racing, like stuff like that. I was able to, you know, get some information on the foundation of really where minor league baseball came from. Because before, you know, you know, like, yeah, you had your major league baseball levels with the American League, National League. But there was a time where there weren't any double AA, A, triple A or high A affiliates. Like minor league mm -hmm. baseballs, they were, minor league baseball teams were based around the country. And they were really uh, independently owned. This was back when Baseball is like the the main sport, like like the god of sports in in America, and you know there there were owners that you know had teams that had like set set payrolls for for these minor league guys, and what major league teams would do, they would like they 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 would scout from from the minor league teams to you know assign them to the mate to the major league teams. It wasn't mm -hmm. like there there was a draft because like the draft the first the first major league draft wasn't until. 1965 I believe it was oh. 1965 that was when the first major league baseball draft was but before before 65 teams teams would sign players you know like like a bonus contract just you know scout regular scouting procedure and you know just give them a contract up front there wasn't like a draft or there wasn't any affiliates that were put into place until after 65 when major league teams with the minor league teams and kind of outsourced out outsourced those teams saying hey you know, we could buy we could we could buy the ownership prop or ownership liabilities or on ownership of your team and just have them as as kind of like a feeder to our major league team. And you know, just just mm -hmm. thinking just thinking about it now with the whole situation of minor league teams having to cut cut you know because I I I read like a I think a few weeks ago the Mets like they they had to cut two of their minor league teams in order to compensate for you know loss loss of money and. Just, just thinking about that, I, I think with the way that minor league baseball is now, just the state of it, I, I feel like it could possibly go back to where teams would be independently owned. There wouldn't be any affiliates. Like if major league teams want to sign minor league guys, they would have to 
you know, scout for them on their own. Like, yeah, they, they could still have the draft in place, but, you know, even with this year's draft, it's going to be cut down to five rounds instead of the 40, 50 rounds that they usually have every year. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, like when, when I heard about that, it, it kind of, it kind of shocked me that, man, you know, I, I can only imagine the guys that were like, that had a shot of getting drafted this year. Uh, there's a possibility that they might not get the opportunity to go, go in those five rounds. And, you know, if they don't, then they're just going to have to compensate to either stay in college for, for another year or even for like the high school guys, they're going to have to either think about playing at a Juco if they want to get a shot again drafted next year or decide to go to the six year four year commitment. If they did commit to, to a four year school, you know, they could go on and play, play at wherever three three or wherever four year school they decide to go to. Right. And yeah, you know, yeah, I just think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of incomplete management procedures or ma- management uh, obligations that are going on with uh, minor league baseball right now. And yeah, you know, it, it's a tough situation. And again, like nobody expected the country or, you know, the world to be where it is right now. But, you know, at the same time, there, there is, there, there are dues that need to be fulfilled and there are things that need to change. And right. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know about the, um, I didn't know that history of the draft and everything. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think to add to that, I'm not sure that it could go back to fully independent just because there are already established independent leagues, right. you know, right. plenty of international leagues. There are some, uh, you know, that there's, there's a Can-Am league, there's mm-hmm. a Frontier league, there's a ton of inner, um, independent leagues in America already. Yeah, it's not um, pro. Yeah, yeah, it's not pro league. I, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, so – I mean, we, we'll, we'll see, you know, we, we really don't know what next year will look like. So it could, could start to see some more teams go through the independent route to gain players, you know, especially if a normal farm system is going to have less guys, you know, let's say in spring training, we had about 250 guys this year. Mm-hmm. If, you know, I mean, if things get bad and they just start cutting minor league guys and we have a ton less, then there's going to be a bigger market for the independent teams to pick up those guys so they can play in, in their stadiums. Yeah, yeah, and you know I haven't really been following that much with the with the sim with the independent leagues uh, for what they've been doing, but I think they're kind of in the same boat as most of the minor league teams, knowing that they're they're they they're kind of like it, it, from my they're, perspective, they're at, the, they're at the mercy of how how the virus keeps going. I mean, they they can't operate without fans. So exactly, yeah, like, need to yeah, get back. yeah, like there there are those teams that rely slowly on on ticket sales, merchandise, and concession, uh, concession uh, profits to, you know, help, help operate and help, you know, pay the players and that, you know, like that play a play on their team. And I, yeah, right. you know, and again, it's, I like, but it's not just really for the players. It's also just for the loss of jobs that are in our place. I mean, like th- these minor league teams, even though they're minor league, they're like, they're in the minor leagues, like they still have, just as much uh, job, job fulfillments as a major league team would like there there's coaching jobs there's concession jobs there's you know trainer jobs like there you know like, like there's like clubhouse managers like th- there are jobs that are also being lost with the fact that minor league, minor league teams are having to be cut which you know it, it, I mean yeah it, I, I don't know the exact numbers but I, I I would imagine that there are definitely more jobs being lost to you know the, the concession workers the tick you know all mm-hmm. those jobs. I bet you that number has to be higher than minor leaguers. I mean, yeah. some stadiums, even at the minor league level, run super legit operations. I mean, you walk in there and you feel like you're being treated like a major league game. You know, like they have, you know, just everything, good scoreboard, good concessions, you know, on-field stuff. I mean, there's there's a ton of behind the scenes in a minor league game. And all those people are either out of jobs, furloughed. You know, some organizations are still paying, luckily. Um, yeah, it's – huge job loss from this yeah but um i kind of want to like put the ball in your court for a minute eli so what like from your perspective say if you were you know like team owner or you know say if you you know commissioner baseball like what what do you think major league baseball and minor league baseball should do to compensate for loss of games or loss loss of pay and job opportunities like in, in the sport, like what, like if, if you had the capability, if you, you know, like had, had the power to do that, what, what do you think would be the best option 
like to go through with the with the plan to get back to baseball if you know if if we do so this year i mean to get back this year um like i guess i'll talk just major leagues because you know they're coming back before minor league does you know Mm -hmm. the only way minor leagues come back is if major leagues come back um they they have you know down to the very basics of it they have to get an agreement done you know they have to agree on how they're going to pay wages because they're currently trying to change what they might have agreed on in march you know that that's about all I know about that. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're talking about like a just prorated salaries that that's what they, you know, agreed on in March. And now they're trying to change the finances of it. Um, Cause the owners are saying that they're going to lose, you know, just substantial portions of their expected revenue. Yeah, um, there, there's there's going to be a huge pay cut with that because that was or the chart that I saw and, you know, Bryce Harper being one of the highest paid players already making like $26 million a year. His, it, like with the prorated uh, contract cut, his his contract is going to go from twenty six million down to six six million for the year right. for the year alone, and and just knowing even like knowing the possibility uh, for minor league baseball to return, like the minor league salaries are probably going to be cut dramatically because you know like, yeah the minor league salaries for anybody that doesn't really follow minor league baseball as much, minor league salaries don't do not compare as much to the major league salaries. I think the average major league salary for for a major league baseball player is around 500,000 and the average salary for most minor league guys depending on what level you're playing at is about close to between 30 to 75 grand a year and you know just what no sir yeah just just with last that. year last year, I made, last year I played a full season I made $6600 like Six, we we don't get 6600 yeah we we don't get paid anywhere near 30k like most guys will get six to 7,000 a year. If you sign a free agent deal, you could get numbers, but the, the, the 80%, 90, maybe 95% of minor leaguers are getting, you know, it's, I, th- I think, I think the most I've gotten is like 1200 a month. And then next year it would have been 1300. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And they, they only pay us for what we play. So yeah. So I think last year I made 1200 a month and played, you know, like five and a half months, so made around six and a half grand. Oh man, yeah. Well, like so, 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 so that's something that the general public doesn't know. I mean, I, I remember sitting in stands here. I'm glad you're here to tell us. Stands right? talk yeah, about this. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, first round guys get 500k a year. Bench riders get 40. I'm like, dude, nah. that, that guy right there is a guaranteed big leaguer. He's making 6,500 this year, and the guy next to him is a guaranteed not big leaguer. He's making that same money, like. And no one gets paid. You know, you get your signing bonus. That that's you know that's where you get your money from. You get your right. signing bonus, and then after that, you just you know you get about six to seven thousand a year until you either make the bigs or get a minor league free agent deal or are done with baseball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I'm glad like you cleared that up because yeah, like yeah, I feel like yeah, even though you guys do have the pro status like a professional baseball player you don't get the contract that everybody's talking about that the contracts that they're talking about MLB network. Right. And yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, there are, I feel like minor league baseball, like mo- for most players, yeah, they do kind of like, they do live like un- underneath the poverty line for the, a- for how much the average American makes. And, you know, just, j- just with that in mind right. and just knowing like with players contracts had to be cut, like there's a major league players that are, getting their getting their contract cut from millions of dollars to like almost like eight figure eight figure contracts getting cut down to seven or six figure contracts. And right. and for the minor league guys, it's gonna be cut down to a four to a, from a four figure to a three figure contract. Which does put things right. into perspective that yeah, they're like it's it is it's tough. Like and you know, and knowing how many guys uh, that, that I've known that that do that currently play play in the minors and I've also you know played in the minors in the past. Yeah, yeah, they do say like yeah, it's rough, and which is the reason why, like may, I feel like major league baseball, like like baseball players, they grind more than any other sport. I mean, you, if you compare with ba- like other sports like basketball or football, you know, when a guy gets drafted out of college, he instantly goes goes into the league with a million dollar contract or somewhere near that. Minor, like for baseball is way different. Even though you do have the option 
to, you know, get drafted out of high school, go play in the pros, play, play in the minors, or get drafted out of college, go play in the minors. And even in some case, there was a guy that I heard about. He, he got drafted last year. I think the Braves picked him up, but he declined it, and he decided to go play pro baseball over in Japan because he knew that he was going to get paid. Sure, yeah. The, yeah, that was a big deal. That was yeah. a big deal. Yeah, like what well, I thought. I believe he's a Boris guy. Um, and that, that was like a huge deal. I mean, that, that guy was a legit prospect supposed to go like first round. And he's like, no, I'm going to go, go play overseas. You know, I, I, it's interesting to see how that plays mm-hmm. out. You know, I think that'd be really cool to watch him, you know, forego two or three years in the minor leagues, get better pay overseas and then come, you know, if he's good enough one day to play in the majors, I think that'd be a really cool story. And, you know, competition for the normal, you know, just the normal path to the majors. I mean, you're seeing it in basketball, a little bit of reform in the the path up to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could see that in Major League Baseball maybe soon if, uh, you know, if minor leagues get destroyed by it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like that would, that would play a big role, you know, for, like, for baseball to come out, like, for guys that are playing baseball and they get drafted, they'll yeah, have the opportunity to go play. From a negotiating standpoint, they have yeah. another – have a backup plan that they have to you know weigh against yeah and um but yeah like yeah just go back to the like the carter stewart thing yeah it definitely it kind of opened my eyes because like yeah that, that 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 shocked me like the guy was a first rounder but he he decided to go play over in japan because he knew like what the risk were to playing over in states like he wasn't gonna get paid enough like you know competition is really steep especially in the braves organization but you know, this with him going over, like, like having that sacrifice to go play professionally in a different country and, like, having to learn the language, like, like adapt to the culture. And, like, even, like, in, even in Japan, like, the competition over there is just as, you know, it's just, just as good as the competition over here in the States. And, right. you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's super, I mean, super gracious for what he did, dude. You know, 18, 19 years old. It's like, oh, let's go play overseas. Like, Good, good for you. I don't. I don't think I could make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Like I, I feel like you know a lot of guys will have the utmost you know respect for for him just to do that because it definitely you know does describe like the grind and kind of does show off just how dedicated you have to be. Like it, it like you have to love the sport to to death to be able to get where you are. And you know, there's a lot of you know trials and tribulations that go through. Of, you know, being a guy like growing up and having to play the sport for your whole life and just knowing that the pro, like the, the shot making to the MLB is very slim in some cases, but it's just about the talent, just the determination, the drive, just to be, be able to play at that level. Because you know that like there's so, there's so, so few guys that fall short of it. And even guys that. things have to go through it too. Oh, what was that? Yeah. I mean, just a lot of things have to go right for it. There's plenty of guys that, you know, just, you know, especially in some minor league guys just have to hang them up strictly financially. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't, I don't forget like that. I am blessed, you know, I, I don't have a ton of expenses right now. So luckily I can afford to live off, you know, the 6,600 a year that they pay us. But it's a lot of guys that can't do that and have to give up their opportunity early without ever, without really seeing what they might've done. Um, you know, it's just it's just the nature of it, and there's going to be more more stories you hear like that um, of guys, you know, just losing their. I mean, it's happening everywhere. It's not exclusive to minor league guys, but a lot of dreams are going to get ruined from the virus. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the tough part about it. You know, yeah. it's just you know, like, yeah, it, I, I I wish that athletes could be seen because you know, like, but my like I always say all the time when people like bring up the conversation like, Oh, you know, athletes like they're, you know, like they, they live extravagant lifestyles. You know, they, you know, they, they don't have to worry about money financially. But the fact is, you know, even though like athletes do get paid a ton of money to, you know, play a sport and uh, like show off their talent, they're still human. Like I, like I always say, athletes aren't robots. They're still human. And you know, and just the fact that, because like, you know, again, athletes, you know, they're, they're human, just like, just like me and you're like, you know, the guy pay bills, like athletes that have families, you know, they got, you know, send their kids to school, like put food on the table, like, you know, take care of the, their, their girlfriends and their wives. And, you know, like also, you know, just be able to 
like pay pay medical stuff, like pay home insurance, pay car insurance. Like they they do everything that yeah, you know, like that they're already just having to deal with. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, they do everything that you know you have to do in life. You know, you gotta pay taxes. Like they, like they they yeah, they have like these really cool jobs, but you know they also have to live that human life. And, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're we're not exempt from you know the normal day to day stuff. You know, we still have to go through it, and then we get to play a game after. Right. But um, anyway, you know, Eli, yeah, I think like we're gonna wrap up there. Like, man, thank you so much for coming on, dude. Like, it really does mean a lot to hear from the perspective of a minor league baseball player with all that's going on right now, and you know, just not not knowing what the future is gonna be like in the next couple of months. Because you know, like, ba- even though baseball does have a set plan to try to return July, you know, like you also you also gotta focus on the minor league guys that are still waiting to waiting for their turn to get back on the field. And um yep. yeah man, yeah, definitely yeah, thanks again for coming on and giving us your insight on, you know, like from the minor league perspective. Of course, man. Always happy to always happy to talk. Yeah, you know, I still remember that combo we had. Um I'm you know, sorry that you're not, you know, still going on with baseball, but I mm-hmm. always remember like how professional you were with coming up to me and stuff. Um happy to come on this podcast anytime. I really appreciate you uh offering to have me on. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I was just a kid then, you know, I was like, it was like my junior year when, uh, uh, when I came out to you and, you know, asked you and yeah, yeah. you know, like I, I wasn't afraid. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel like you're going to get big like me. Like, you know, like, it was, no, yeah. like, like, yeah, if, if you, if you guys ever meet Eli in real life, he, he's a really awesome guy. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> like yeah, he's fun to talk to, you know, he's, he's energetic, you. you know, he's got a great personality, but yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's a great guy. He's good people. Thank you. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for us uh, from the Real Deal Bros podcast. And again, we got Eli Morgan on. Make sure to, you know, follow us on Spotify. Also check our Instagram at the Real Deal Bros. And also leave Eli's Instagram at the bottom here. And uh, yeah, also make sure to like, comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel as we were, we're steady growing and we're trying to promote as much content for you to, you know, like, like content that, that, that we, that we care about and also that you care about as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, Eli, for coming on. And uh, this has been thanks the Real Deal Bros podcast. And as always, make sure to keep it real.